I don't know how I don't know how Trey Young has confidence. If I walked around with that head of hair, I'd I'd be so down in the dumps. Good for him. I got res- you know maybe I got respect him. Gonna be that bad looking and, and do that kind of stuff. And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Rich Davidson, and I'm joined with my good buddies, Elka Beltre and Ethan Huffman. Guys, we took a week break. We had places to be, things to do. We've been watching basketball games, but now we are back. And round one is nearly complete. Our brackets have been busted for some of us. And my, my, are you guys ready to get into it today? Yes, and yes, indeed. Heat and five. For sure, for sure. Remember the motto, heat and five, when in doubt. It's a lifestyle, not a prediction. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, the, the heat, heat used a lot of culture um, in, 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 their, uh, in their series. Um, we'll, we'll debate whether that worked a little bit uh, later on in the pod. But we've got to start. We've got to start with our dear friends in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, guys... I, I just gotta say, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the floor here for a minute because it's time for a little bit of I, 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 I'm not even gonna lie a lot of slander for a particular person and his name is Rob Polinka. Guys, it's time. From the beginning, from 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 the outset when when Magic Johnson left and it was Rob Polinka's time and and. There was the whole discussion about like how he really he I feel I felt like he didn't really realize the importance of the per the, the tertiary pieces on this team. It, it seemed as though he said, "Okay, we're going LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and that's going to be it." And guess what? They won a championship last year. And but for me, that spoke to the greatness of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and not his savvy as a um as a front office decision maker, general manager, whatever you want to call it. And it came back to bite them this year. I At the beginning of this past offseason, they went out and signed Montrezl Harrell. Yes, we're going to slander Montrezl Harrell as well. And at the time, I especially, and, and I, I believe you guys were on, on board with this as well, you nodding your heads in the background, uh, but basically said, hey, this is this is a mistake of a sign. This is a bad signing for this Los Angeles Lakers team. Not because Montrez Harrell is necessarily a bad player. It was just an awful, awful fit. I mean, I don't personally like him, but if he was in Charlotte with LaMelo, that would be fun. That would be fun. But instead, he's with this Los Angeles Lakers team, replacing the Dwight Howard's Veil McGee minutes, and they brought on Gasol to kind of ease that pain. But it just, it's always confounded me the way that they've placed a lot of resources in places where they didn't need it. Like Montrez Harrell was a superfluous signing, not necessary. One of those things where you say, Hey, we, we have everything we need. Let's go ahead and just get a little bit more icing, but without actually having the cake. And with Montrez Harrell, he didn't fit their needs of wing shooting perimeter defense. And all they were really left with, that they could trust in that role was KCP. Wesley Matthews did a little bit of job, you know, did a reasonable job for the salary that they were paying him. But the moment that they shipped Danny Green off in order to try to 
I mean, sh shuffle things around. Essentially, I, I know it wasn't a one-for-one, -one, but essentially they chose to bring in Montrez Harrell and send Danny Green out. I know that it wasn't a, like, I know it was actually bringing in Dennis Schroeder in, but but really you were, you're just did a little bit of shuffling of the pieces on, on the deck of the Titanic of saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and get a point guard to replace Rajon Rondo because we don't want to pay him even though you probably could have paid him the same amount of money that you paid Matres Harrell and, 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 and kept Danny Green. So like all of this basically said, they said, hey, we don't want Danny Green. We don't want three and D perimeter guys who can shoot and space the floor, even if they're not hitting their shots, able to space the floor. And what we saw is LeBron James, it just being way more difficult on him than it needed to be. Every Phoenix Sun had a foot in the paint uh, on any of his drives. And yeah, Anthony Davis was out. And yeah, they, they might have been able to pull out a win if Anthony Davis was healthy. But we're talking about a lot of ifs here. And yeah, it requires a little bit of luck, but you also have to create your own luck by planning ahead. And Rob Polinka has made poor decisions outside of, well, Anthony Davis wanting to come to Los Angeles. And guess what? That's not something that he had control of. So I just had to get that off my chest because Rob Polinka has done a bad job. And Montrezl Harrell was a bad signing for this team in this context. Okay. There it is. Anyone else want to say anything else about the Lakers? I just, I had to say that at the beginning. Go ahead. It's, it's all bad with Montrose Harrell. The guy's an offensive only kind of player. Like he doesn't offer you almost anything else. And you're right. hundred percent correct that the shooting and lack thereof is the entire problem for this Lakers team. LeBron James needs shooters around him. We, I think we've seen more examples of LeBron overcoming a bad defensive team than overcoming a team that um that can't shoot just because he needs the spacing, he needs the help. If LeBron James is your team's best shooter, you have made a mistake. And I was even looking at it, I was like, you know, I, I kind of expect more out of Kyle Kuzma this year just because, you know, he's I heard a, a lot of uh, offseason championing that he was, was getting so much better. And I think he made some strides. But then in the playoffs this year, he shot 17% from three. And we're looking at, okay, well, that was not supposed to be his strength. And obviously it didn't come through, even though he shot 36% on the year. It, it, it just came down to it, Richard. I, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, the, sh the, the reshuffling, and it was, it, would be, it was hard to call this team the Titanic because, you know, they, they were so good last year and they won the championship. Um, maybe off some unsustainable uh, Anthony Davis mid-range shooting and his three-point shooting as well. But to, to, to think that what you needed was less athletic bigs who are, I mean, Gasol's a good defender, don't get me wrong, but he so hesitant to shoot that it, I think he sometimes can be a bit of a detriment on the offensive end. And and then we're talking about no shooting at the perimeter positions where you desperately need it. You, you just bungled it. Like, having Marc Gasol for the minimum, fine. Who can't, like, fine. Having Andre Drummond come in partway through for the minimum, fine. It's okay. You're paying him Nothing. He's he's taking up no space. But you hard capped yourself for Montres Harrell, so that you couldn't spend anything more than minimum on on the buyout market. Yeah, yeah. You end up getting on a driven, so that's fine. But you you hard capped yourself to go after a player who couldn't get minutes in this series. And when he did get minutes, when he got eight minutes in that closing game, he was a minus sixteen. He was awful. Every when Devin Booker was was on fire uh, in the last four and a half minutes in that first quarter. Guess who was the recipient of, of a lot of those things? Montrez Harrell, right? Got him switched. He was defending him in transition. Pull up three. 
Frank Kaminsky sets a, sets a down screen, and guess who doesn't get out enough, enough on Devin Booker? Montrez Harrell. So, like, they're, they're attacking him in everything that they did, as well as an injured Anthony Davis early on, which, you know, wise decisions by, by the Phoenix Suns. But you look in, you, you say to yourself, well, who else could they have gotten? How about the guy who was defending LeBron James and Anthony Davis during long portions of the series? Jay Crowder. Like, if you get Jay Crowder on this team, yeah, yeah, he can go through some shooting slumps. But guess what? He is someone who can space the floor and who other teams like, like either have to respect or if they're not going to respect him, going to get wide open shots. And, like, that would have been a, a much better allocation of your resources. A lot of times people say, okay, well, we shouldn't assign him. Well, who else should we assign? Should assign someone like Jay Crowder, all right? You went out the first moment of free agency said we're getting Montrez Harrell. And guess what? Montrez Harrell can now stand up and walk out of the door if he wants to. And if I'm Montrez Harrell, I'm probably not super happy about how this season went, about not being able to get minutes on this team. So why am I sticking around to get paid the mid-level exception? Why not? Why don't I just go somewhere else who's, you know, somewhere else is probably going to be willing to offer that amount of money to me. I would say he's probably going to leave. And the Los Angeles Lakers, without him coming back, are $117-118 million already allotted. Without Schroeder, without Harrell, without Wes Matthews, without Alex uh, Caruso, and all of the minimum guys that they have on the roster, Andre Drummond included. Really, the only trade piece having is Kyle Kuzma, who is always taking a knife at his value. You Yeah, you look at it, and it's Kyle Kuzma's the only one on the roster already, and so it is a tough situation. Like You look and you, you think to yourself, what can they do to get better? Well, you can't just let those guys walk. You have to re-sign Dennis Schroeder for some amount of, of money. You probably need to re-sign, uh, you know, Montrezl Harrell, that's that's in his that's in his court, so he can do whatever he wants there. But Wes Matthews, you're probably bringing him back. You're probably bringing Cruz back. You'd like to bring Andre Drummond back as well, I would assume. And so you're trying to bring these guys back, if for nothing else, then to have things that you can trade at the deadline. and But the problem is, if you get a little too fancy with it, Dennis Schroeder, if if he goes back to you and says, hey, where, where was that $84 million contract that, that you offered me earlier on? I want that again. Uh, well, now, what team out there is going to want to trade for that four-year contract at Dennis Schroeder? That, that's a little bit pricey, and I don't view that as a positive value contract. So I, I just they're in a difficult situation as far as what do we do? And yeah, it was kind of a fluky season with it being COVID and, and all the injuries and, and, and COVID protocols and all that stuff. But at the same time, they don't really have avenues to improve this team um, outside of just the health of their two stars. So Laker appeal though, maybe Laker appeal will win it out for Rob Polinka again. That's the only thing that's been going for him so far. I suppose, I suppose. Okay. Sorry. We've been talking. And any, any anything you want to add to this Lakers bashing? Right, Rob Polinka bashing. It's okay. You guys made some good points. Because it's the thing. You guys don't really hate the Lakers. Both of you like made it clear you guys like some of their pieces. Just you guys don't like the moves that their GM is making because you bring up the construction. I think Ethan's point that he brought up over and over again, like all Polinka had to do was follow the recipe that LeBron had laid out years and years before. It's like, give me some shooters and I'm good. That's all he had to do. And then you guys talked about the signings and then you talked about what they put themselves with their cap situation now. And 
I think they're very fortunate that they are the Lakers at the end of the day. Like that's that's the most fortunate thing because I still believe that's the only reason why LeBron and AD came over because they were like it's the Lakers, not because of their GM Ron Palenka. It's because it's the Lakers. And that's it. I think we better move on to the Blazers, or if not, we're gonna spend one hour bashing Rob Palenka. But the Blazers, go go ahead. One more thing. One more thing. I can't put this on. I can't put this first round loss on LeBron James, and I just think that needs to be said. It's not his fault that his team had no spacing. And I've, uh, in in a way that I would say, hey, guess what? This is not Dame Lillard's fault for uh, this Blazers exit. You know, it's it's let's not blame the good players. Let's blame the bad players on the team. Let's let's let's, let's do that instead. So um, that's my stance on LeBron James, because I know other people are going to have other stances and try to utilize this as a way to slander LeBron James in some way. So, oh, I already heard plenty of people trying to say his legacy is on the line with that first round loss. Meanwhile, I believe the stat was this was his first first time losing in the first round. He's been in the playoffs. He's like 14 and one in first round series. So I'm just like, yeah, you can't. I mean, I think and I sure. think LeBron, and I think LeBron figured it out like sooner. I think he figured it out like pretty much seemed like early in the series once Anthony Davis was going out. He's like, I don't think we have much of a chance. Like I think it kind of hit LeBron like smack in the face. He's like, I don't think we have much of a chance and. I think he's going to take it after only having 71 days off. Now he's going to be like, I'm just going to take my time to rest, recuperate. I believe he's going to skip the Olympics. He has nothing to prove at the Olympic level. Obviously, Anthony Davis is going to skip the Olympics. So it's just one of those things. I think the Lakers and both the Heat need this rest. He's going to be like, let's regroup. Let's do it because that's just that's one of the things I view it as. All right. Blazers out in six games to the Denver Nuggets. By the way, I think that might have been... One of the most, one of the more inter- entertaining series of the first round. I'll say that the Blazers and Nuggets, as far as good basketball being played on one side and uh, the other side, one player just taking over. Great to see it. But I see we brought up Neil O'Shea here. I see there might be a feeling here. I think Richard, you wrote this, or Ethan did. Um, I wrote it because Neil O'Shea has been a, a solid GM for the Blazers for a good amount of time, and. But he is riding a, a high wave of being the one who drafted Damian Lord, being the one who drafted CJ McCollum, and and then that's kind of been it for the last bit. He's also the guy who drafted Caleb Swanigan when everyone with a with eyes would know Caleb Swanigan was never going to be a, tr- a real NBA player. He was just going to be a guy who ate some minutes, um, and he ate them poorly. Anyway, like it's it's one of those things. Like I, I think it's time for a, a fresh new look at this team. Um, obviously, Terry Stotts has already um, hit mutually parted ways with the uh, with the team. Um, apparently, now that uh, Jason Kidd is not interested in Dame's request, um, I wonder if it, maybe we get David Vanderpool, the guy who was the uh, assistant coach in Minnesota that Dame was you know caping for um, when they went over over him to hire Chris Finch out there. Maybe he's a candidate. Um, it's just a tough situation out here because th- this team hasn't had a lot of flexibility in years. They- they've been, you know, as Richard said earlier, shuffling the uh, the deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, you know, Nurkic was a really good trade to get him in here for Mason Plumlee years ago. But they've never been able to figure out this wing position. And, you know, Ro- Robert Covington did did a, sta- a bang-up job this year. Solid player. But still... Like, you know, he's just not good enough, especially when there's, you know, a, a bit of a defensive void and he is 
a help side defender expert, not a man-to-man, I gotta lock this guy down expert. It's just, there's always been a hole in this team, and with with Nurkic being disgruntled, and he being what I would say is the second most important player on this team, that's gonna put the Blazers in a really tough situation, and I wonder if Neil O'Shea can figure it out, or if maybe a new set of eyes could reinvigorate this team a little bit, and also maybe shake things up. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of in the in the same place. I mean, I'm just like if they mutually agree to part with with Terry Stotts, I think they have to. I think Neil O'Shea almost has to do go as well because they've been there. I think almost around the same amount of time. I know Stotts came in Lillard's first year. It's very. It's. I think it is basically the same timeline. I, I don't want to look it up. Maybe I should, but it's. It comes down to, do you want Neil O'Shea to hire another coach? Because. Do you like the, the best question is? Do you think Terry Stotts underachieved with the roster he was given? And I would say no. I would say he basically, other than the, the habitually bad defense, which again didn't ever have a lot of good defensive players, but you think maybe more than one season you could luck into a solid defense, and that never happened. But I'm I look at Neil Shea and, and Terry Stotts as they they actually worked really well together for all the bad mistakes uh, Neil Shea would make. Um, Terry Stotts would pull something out, and then for the mistakes that Terry Stotts was making, you know, Neil O'Shea drafted Damian Lillard, so it worked out. Yeah, but and you kind of get a sense, though, at the end of the day, Lillard never had the help that he needed. I mean, I know we talked about they brought in, obviously, they drafted CJ, they brought in Norman Powell in the trade this year, and all this stuff is happening, but at the end of the day, you kind of felt as though Lillard was still riding the wave on his own. And you can just kind of see it like, okay, eventually, I mean, I think Lillard's 30 now. And I think eventually Lillard, he's going to be like, all right, is anything going to happen? Should I have hope on this team moving forward? And But then you have to ask yourself, let's just say if it's Neil O'Shea or a new GM, what moves do you really have to make? Obviously, you want to bring in a wing, but I think the name that keeps getting discussed is CJ McCollum getting traded. But at the same time, what packages are out there for you for CJ McCollum? Richard, go ahead. Well, this is this is kind of the issue. Like, so they brought in Norman Powell. They traded away Gary Trent Jr. Um, but Norman Powell's an unrestricted free agent. And if you're Norman Powell, you could say to yourself, "Hey, well, the Blazers have have my bird rights. They can pay me lots of money. But do I do I want to go back to the situation where, in reality, I probably should be the two guard? But there's Jim McCollum here. So, like, I wonder, like. I wonder if he wants to stick around if CJ's around here. So, so maybe maybe it's – it feels to me like if they want to maximize their roster, it's probably going to have to be through a let's trade CJ for something. Now there's questions about what that thing could possibly be. And maybe resign Norman Powell and, 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 and have Norman Powell be like my two guard and then find other ways to – patch up the, the other par- other parts of the roster that might be missing. Uh, you look at this team and you, you know, you see, you see Nurkic and, and again, defensively, the problem with them is that they really only have one way of defending um, just with the personnel that they have. And if they, if it's, re- if it requires for them to have some sort of defensive adjustment, what are you going to do with that roster? Like, again, you're going to put Robert Covington in an on-ball defensive position sometimes, and that's not where he excels. And so you need him to be off-ball. You don't really have the guy to be on-ball. You know, we're, we're having to re- rely on a lot of Carmelo Anthony on defense, who, you know, at, at times did his did his best. But guess what? It, it, it's just not enough, especially against a Denver team who was down 
you know, two of their starters, you know, Jamal Murray um, and, and, and Will, Will Barton. So it's, it's, it's a really tough situation. You want to, obviously you'd like to trade Zeta McCollum, but the question is, well, you're not getting Ben Simmons back. You're not getting someone like, you know, Paul George, if, if they play him out, like that's not the level of player that you're getting. So who is that, you know, secondary player on the level of a CJ McCollum, who again, Blazers fans probably aren't happy with me, like talking down CJ McCollum on this, but like, what's his trade value? What's his trade value at this point? It's not particularly high because he's 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 a little overpaid. He's paid like a star, and and he is, and like he'd be he would be an all star at some point if he played in the East all these years. And he, he you know he started the season off really hot, like he he had, he hit hit was was playing really aggressively and it was working for him. But the thing is, like, and this is where I draw the line with CJ is when Dame's off the court, CJ can create sometimes efficient offense for himself. But in all all the herky jerky fun dribble, you know, not not a bad thing to watch. He he doesn't look up. He's not a good facilitator. He he gets assists, but it's usually because the guy's wide open. It's not because C.J. McCollum is really creating something for that te- this team. And like that's kind of where I'm gonna draw the line here and say we need to find something better. And you're right though, Richard. It's it's been the last you know like C.J. has talked about on his podcast and when he's been on other podcasts that he, you know he he's always been a little annoyed and offended that everyone's always trying to trade him. But this is why like you're you're not the perfect fit. It's it's it is a fit. You've made it work. Terry Stotts, uh, for what's worth, has has you know tried a lot of different things. You know Neil Jay, like we said. They've tried a lot of different things, but they haven't pulled the trigger on the ease, the clearly biggest thing they could have done. And honestly, at this point with the way they've strung it out, now they're overpaying CJ and he's that much harder to, to, to move. And he's also that much further along in his career to uh, like, you don't, where's this development going to come from? You know, me and, me and the fellas were talking after we watched the game the other day and like there, I was like, yeah, where's your Kawhi Leonard trade? You know, like, like theoretically that, could have been something they could have pursued if, if DeRozan was all they wanted. But the thing is, DeRozan's a much better player than C.J. McCollum. He just doesn't shoot threes, but he's a better passer. He's more efficient in the in the mid-range. Like how, even considering the horrible premise the Kawhi Leonard trade was for the Spurs, he's not as good as the, as DeRozan was. Like how are you going to figure that out? It's 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 tough. I mean, I, I'm just perusing and looking for like like sized contracts and potential like and i'm coming up with a cable let's say it could be like tobias harris maybe if things don't go quite right there and they want to give a little you know a little more guard scoring there okay like maybe 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 that's there pascal siakam i I don't know exactly what the raptors want to do but you look at that and think well raptors probably don't want to make that trade um like that doesn't help them if they're going to be rebooting they would probably want to go for you know, younger assets and, 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 and trying to take that approach. Um, like Chris Tapps, Porzingis, uh, if, if, I mean, we've not talked about Dallas, we probably won't today in depth, but like, he, does he really help the blade? Like, would he really help the Blazers? I, I don't really think so. So you, you go down the list and say, well, well, you know, what players from these teams are available where a one-to-one player type of trade would, would actually help the Blazers? And it's tough to find it, tough, tough to find one, right? Tough to find one where the other team would want to make it and be incentivized to make it themselves. So we'll see. Well, the, the, the one I thought of, and I thought of this almost instantaneously when I, I watched CJ step out of bounds and 
you know, destroy everything Damian Lillard had had tried. Is there is a certain team in Indiana that has been looking to get rid of Miles Turner? It seems like, and I, I if I, I don't know if the Blazers fans would be on board, but if Nurkic is disgruntled, I could see a Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb because Jeremy Lamb's been coming off injuries. He's you know a guard size player. Make it, making a trade like that where you probably feel like you're getting a little less value in return, but you're getting a defensive center to to kind of start this trend. What if it's a TJ Warren because of the that would then all of a sudden be an incredible trade. <laughs> I was thinking more of like what I see as closer to equity for the the Pacers, but if all of a sudden if TJ Warren was healthy and and motivated with a new situation, I mean, I would love to watch a Damian Lord hopefully Norm Powell re- resigned, TJ Warren, Robert Covington, Miles Turner, I would like that a lot. That's f- five guys who can shoot any given day and also not bad defenders. Elkin, I'm sorry, but that that's the first person I thought of as the solution when I saw Nurkic was upset and CJ obviously needs to be thought about m- mobile. Your, your thoughts, Elkin? Well, I'll tell you this. It's... You know how they always talk about CJ being in trade rumors? Miles Turner has been in trade rumors for like two or three years now. He's also been in the same ship because the Pacers, you know how the Blazers have that backcourt, don't know what to do with the backcourt. The Pacers are like the opposite, but with their frontcourt. They still don't know what to do with that frontcourt. Sometimes, I mean, I think it kind of helped a little bit when Miles Turner was injured. They can kind of see it. I think they have kind of dissonance where they're like, Miles Turner is too good defensively for us to just be like, all right, Sabonis, you're going to man the, the middle now and do that. And let's be real, their draft picks haven't been great as far as who else they could have had in there. We could have had John Collins. That one still gets me. We could have had John Collins. But I'm not going to bring TJ that up. But T.J. Leaf. T.J. Leaf. You know, he's a he seems like an Indiana Pacer type of guy, Ethan, so I understand. He also seems like a Portland Trailblazer type of guy, as that's who he plays for yeah, but, until um, the season ended. But for them bringing Nurkic in, honestly, I wouldn't mind. Nurkic, I mean, defensively, not the same. He can't shoot as well as Miles Turner. But I'll tell you this. If they bring back Nate again for next year, I can see... Oh, Nate Bjorken. I, I, I had my mind on McMillan. McMillan. No, 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 no. <laughs> if they bring him back, obviously T.J. Warren tried to downplay it, but I can see T.J. Warren looking for a way out if they bring Nate back because he did not have a good experience. So if he's healthy, he is. I think he's a very... He brings a lot to a team as a wing player. So that's something that I'm, I'm watching out for, especially this summer. If it's like, oh, we're bringing Nate back. And then he's like, ugh. And then teams are like, well, we'll give you these players, but you got to include maybe Turner and Warren together to make it work. I wouldn't be interested to see how that goes. I'll say, in my original thought process, I hadn't included Nurkic like leaving to the Pacers. Like I was thinking maybe it would be like a third team kind of thing. But regardless, though, like that that, that just with, like you said, the front court. Uh, um, discontent in roles and the, the Blazers obviously needing to shake up. That that was just the first name that came to my mind. Is like, okay, he, Blazers need to fix the defense. Let's 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 get started. And then with Brogdon being a little bit of a bigger guard, like the small guard problem of Dame and CJ, while Brogdon's significantly worse than um than Dame, you're you're not running into this as, as much of a problem there. Just that was my original thought. If interesting, send it into the league. Um, yeah, let's just do that. Okay. Maybe that's how I applied to the uh, applied to the Blazers' uh, hopefully vacant GM role. There you go. Um, let's get to the Celtics. 
Uh, My jokes are gone. (laughs) A lot of news came out, and yeah, Danny Ainge is gone, so we can't we can't talk about almost trades anymore. Um, I mean, if you if you really want to hear in depth foolishness on the Boston Celtics, there are pods out there for you. You can go listen to those. But over but overall, it's just the general gist is that Brad Stevens decided to take that um, front office role instead trying to figure out the coach it's just it's tough like someone someone on i i believe it was zach lowe's podcast was talking about this and, and, and saying well you know if if brad stevens has a couple of issues here he's not only he not only needs to be a good um president of basketball operations general manager whatever like he he not only needs to do that but he also needs to find a coach that's going to be as good or better than brad stevens which seems like a, a tough ask so it's like that that that's kind of the the difficulty that he finds himself in and they find themselves in a difficult spot uh you know monetarily they are already in the tax without re-signing or doing anything with evan fournier and maybe they they have no plans to do anything with evan fournier because they really gave up nothing to get him except for the uh you know utilizing you know the 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 trade exception and so maybe maybe that is a, a, a big thing that they want to hold on to. I, I don't know, but they're already well, they're already a little bit into the tax, and they'll be well into the tax if they do bring Fournier back. And you know they've got to make some trades. Um, who wants Kemba Walker in his current state? I don't know. Seems like the a similar question that the Pistons had with Blake Griffin, um, uh, not not too long ago. Um, who, what are you going to do? And, and if you want to trade Marcus Smart out, okay, well, what are you getting back? And, and you're, you're still pushing the the upper limits financially. So I, I just, you look and you say, well, you know, you've got Jason Tatum, you got Jalen Brown. That's a that's a good kind of foundation. But as you know, the problem the problem with this team has been, you know, not not cashing out on the um, uh, with, with the chips that you had, and now we've got a backloaded roster of Carson Edwards's and, um, you know, a bunch of just guys who are on their rookie deals who just aren't really cutting it. So what, what are your thoughts here on the Celtics and, and their situation? I think just looking at it, obviously, like you brought up their centerpieces with Brown and Tatum. They have good centerpieces there, but seeing – it's another team that just the roster construction, you're just looking at it and you're like, it just hasn't been well. I mean, you see the pieces they try putting around Tatum and of course Brown and you're like, well, we got some pieces, but it didn't work. I mean, obviously hindsight's 2020 with Kemba Walker, but I think he kind of knew what Kemba Walker, the knee problem was there, was lingering before, even before he came to the Celtics. And of course now you're like, maybe if we had Terry Rozier, Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff go back there, but for me, I'm just like looking at Brad Stevens. I mean, not just him finding the next coach, but him constructing a roster. I have my doubts. I'll tell you this. I have my doubts. Yeah, he's a very bright coach, but him constructing a roster, he's going to have to do some some flexible moves. Like he's really going to have to ship some things out in order to clear up, clear up some space or bring in some players. But I don't know. This doesn't seem... For me, I've really questioned the move just going to putting him there. And obviously, I don't know the behind the scenes, how it all worked out. But I don't see an easy way out with their situation. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty tricky with with this team because like Kimba Walker, if if you looked at like what they had been building when they got Kyrie in there and they had Brown and Tatum developing, like when you saw Kimba become quickly available, like oh snap, we can kind of get in our, a, a pretty close facsimile to Kyrie. That's that's great. We we instant replacement. This is wonderful. Whereas I I looked at it and it's like oh yeah, you got Kimba Walker. That's really good. Like that's a that's a good positive thing to have on your team. But for this team specifically, like I think they could have used someone who is a little less like sc- like scoring reliant, like someone who maybe be a little bit better defensively, maybe more of a catch and shoot guy instead of a instead of a you know guy who needs to dribble around a little bit. Like if you if you believed that um, Tatum and Brown were going to develop the way they did, I think that could you you could have looked for a little bit more complimentary guard with the whole Terry Rozier contract thing. Like I, I'm not I'm not saying that Terry Rozier was their answer either. Um, you know, his development might be triggered by having a bit of more of an open floor and he, him getting to choose how he wanted to play the last two years versus kind of having to be dictated. Cause you know, he was, he was, um, you know, brought in at, to be a, a, you know, a bench guard. You know, I, I'm going to do a quick comparison here. Like when I got started working for CentOS, I, I took a job as a, like a helper, like a lower paid job just cause I, I wasn't, I wasn't sold on the, the company and like, not the company, but like I, I wanted to do something else. Um, and more or less, I just, you know, got, you know, subtle promotions within, um, until I was, you know, running my own route kind of thing. And it's, it's a stigma that I don't think I was ever able to shake as I was still a helper in some of the management's eyes. And they were never going to look at me with the amount of respect that I honestly had earned. And as a top performing person in my position, should it, should have been given more. I felt like that was going to be the problem with Terry Rozier. He was always going to be that 18th overall pick that was just supposed to be a scorer off the bench. And so I'm not saying that would have worked out. But I would have liked to, like, and, you know, he had a great series just now. Monte Morris, like, a guard that had a little bit more of a, I, I move the ball, get it back to my best, the best players, while hitting a, a catch-and-shoot jumper. Some, uh, Someone of, of high quality that met that description is what I would have liked to see over a Kimba Walker. It's just, when Kimba's available, you get him. And it doesn't, I guess you, you kind of subside, you, you, you put that to the side of, is it the perfect fit? Because talent is going to win out, apparently. I think it's tough because that season when Kyrie was injured, you know, you go in and you make the conference finals too soon. And then it's like, oh, Kyrie's going to be leaving. But we're right there. We, we need to keep this positive positive momentum. And, and like you said, oh, Kemba Walker's available. Let's go ahead and, and do this so that we can kind of keep that level. And they did. They kept the level. But now there's no real way to, to advance forward barring a miraculous healing of Kemba Walker's knee and, you know, a return to form. So we'll see how it goes um, with them. They've got some decisions uh, to make, but unfortunately not tons of flexibility. But let's go to a team that does have flexibility, and that is the New York Knickerbockers. Now, we are all going to eat a little bit of crow here. Um, (laughs) We all picked the Knicks, and that was the wrong choice. So... We're going to admit that we made the wrong decision. But the Knicks, they are, they've got some cap space. They got $52 million in cap space if they renounce all cap holds. Uh, 42 if you keep Derrick Rose's cap hold books. I think that they will just because of how, how good he was for them, best player for them in that series. But they've got some space if, you know, someone happens to become available this offseason. I mean, there's really it's really bad offseason for free agents. 
but there are rumors that Chris Paul might opt out of his of the last year of his contract in order to get a longer term deal. I, I don't know how much I buy that he wants to leave the Suns more so than that he would use the Knicks as leverage to just get more more years and more dollars. Um, but you know, th- th- there's the discussions of oh well, Kawhi Leonard. What happens if, if, if they lose? Does he want to leave? Well, again, at the same time, the you, you can't just move Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's hometown from where it was, um, you know, from Moreno Valley area. You can't you can't just move that. You know, he likes being in L.A. But at the same time, Knicks have some space. They, I just wonder how they're going to utilize it, um, seeing that they... They really didn't have it against a Hawks team that none of us were super impressed with at the beginning of the playoffs. But we will say this, though. This is before Julius Randle decided to go ahead and disappear. Like, we're in we're in a new movie of Space Jam and the Monstars take all his powers. It seemed like he forgot about basketball, how to play basketball. But Richard did bring up a good point when we were talking before, Pod, or it might have been Ethan as he was taking some really bad shots and making it during the regular season. And maybe now it's just like law of averages. All those really bad shots are just aren't going in. But even then he just seemed like he wasn't playing the way, like even I was able to watch these amount of those games. I was over at my, at my wife's cousin's place and he's a big Hawks fan. So we watched those games and Julius Randle just seemed uncharacteristic, but I do think of it also too. I mean, no Mitchell Robinson in that series. I think he could have definitely helped out. In some parts, I do have more faith in this front office, though. I will say that this front office that they have now, I do have more faith in them than I had in previous years with Nick's front office. Obviously, we know about their ownership and blah, blah, blah. But I do have more faith. And I'm trying to look at the Knicks roster construction now and think about this Hawks series. What are their biggest glaring areas or the biggest areas of need that they need moving forward? Because I don't think a big name free agent is coming their way. That's where I'm at with. With that, I think, I mean, I think they're going to have to look at getting some players at a lower level. I mean, they might try to, I mean, throw out a bunch of assets and players to try to lure someone away from another, to try to get another team to trade with them. But I don't think a big name player is coming their way. I don't know if you guys feel differently than I do. I I think they need to operate on the slow burn right now. I, I, I it might make some people upset, but I, I look at this team as like, I don't, see Kawhi coming here and there's not a lot of other big stars available and I, I look at this team as a slow burn I would just try to retain you know Alec Burks I try to retain Derrick Rose I try to retain even Reggie Bullock for regular season shooting Taj Gibson at the minimum and I would just say all right let's let's get another draft pick in here even if it's middle of the first round and like wait for the right one I agree except you know now that there's a little bit of momentum on the Blazers situation and Dame Lillard maybe being unhappy and the coach that he wanted to come is deciding not to come. I I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's, there's a little bit of smoke. If you can get Damian Lillard, that's a completely different story. I was looking at the free agency. Free agents. Yeah. Free agents. There's not a whole lot there. Um, That's just the only thing that I would just like, I don't even know if I a hundred percent believe it, but it's, it's more of a, you know what? Maybe there's a one percent chance. It's not. It's not nothing. Listen, if you can get it, any team in the NBA, hear my voice. If you can get Damian Lillard, get Damian Lillard. That man is stupid good. I don't think the Knicks are on that list. 
They might be. You never know. I mean, the the Blazers could say, "Hey, we want to if we're going to trade him, we want him as far away from us as possible." And New York is on the other side of the country. Well, Miami's as far away from the, the oh, Blazers okay. as possible. Here we go. <laughs> that, that's that's that also correct. fair. That's, that's also, also fair. fair. That's that is. Um, I can't even. I can't even get mad at that. Go ahead, Richard. But the Knicks. The Knicks have more draft picks available. They've got, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know exactly like the, the, the young player pieces outside of um, an R.J. Barrett. I mean, it's or Emmanuel Quick. Like, I, I don't totally know what the package is or would be. And you would imagine that there are other teams out there that would have much. But are there teams out there that are in the Eastern Conference that have more? I mean, you look at the Pelicans or Oklahoma City, it's like, wow, look at this treasure trove of, of assets. And But they don't want to trade him in, in conference. I mean, I look at a team like the Hornets, who would be a, a, tra- a Dame, like Dame and LaMelo, and then get in Nerlens Noel to protect the rim for those two. Sounds great to me. Yeah, but what do you, who, who, what 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 are what are the Hornets trading outside of Lamelo that would that would? Well, I mean, you got you got Rozier, Washington, Bridges, no, no, picks. No, no, not enough. I, a lot. They have all their picks though. I mean, they have all their picks. I would I would rather have the R.J. Barrett and all the picks and all of Dallas's picks. The the, the, the extra like whatever that like I would rather do that, I think, than I would, uh, you know, qu- quickly and, and whoever. Like, I, mean, what, like, what about, I would rather do that than than the non Lamelo Charlotte. All right, I'm I'm making a joke real quick. What about Russell Westbrook? Straight up. <laughs> On that note, let's get to the Miami Heat Woo. because Heat in five again all day every day. The, <laughs> heat in five. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Heat are a team that always, whenever there's a star available, need to be you know need need to be discussed. Um, but Let's assume that Dame Lillard isn't going there as of yet. They've got some. Uh, I just I just want to say, people people who are slandering the Heat for whatever reason, there were a lot of Laker fans slandering the Heat, um, and and now they're in the same spot. So let's let's cool it, Laker fans. Um, you know, they had a great run in the bubble, perhaps laid on foundation of a little bit of unsustainable shooting from a couple of their players, just like the unsustainable shooting of maybe an Anthony Davis uh, in, in the bubble and some other people in the bubble. Um, but guess what? They made it. They made, they made it to the to the finals, and they, with an, with an, a couple of key injuries, still, you know, pushed the Lakers a little bit. And so it, anyone who wants to go in and, you know, talk about, you know, frauds and, and things like that, like, just, just save it. Just save it. At, at the end of the day, they won in the same circumstances as everyone else. So everyone's frauds, and they were the best frauds. That, if, that, sure. if that's the way you want to look at it. But they were the yeah. best of the frauds. Yeah, yeah, because the Lakers were the only ones who weren't frauds, that, you know, because they won. And it, it is what it is. You could, you could, you know, you could make excuses till, till the cows come home. But let's let's not do that. Now, the, the Heat do have to make some decisions, though, because a lot of people not under contract. Uh, as as of you know, a, a lot of people who who don't need to come back, uh, you know, Goran Dragic. You mentioned him. He doesn't have to come back. He is, you know, On they, team they have te- yeah. They got a team option. Iguodala team option as well. Trevor Ariza. They brought him in again. Guys who have huge cap holds who they probably don't want to, uh, you know, do much unless they're you know willing to come back for a very very cheap deal. So like. 
because again, you got, you got about twenty million dollars in space, so you can bring in, you know, somebody. Uh, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn are probably the guys who you are going to keep their cap hold because it is a shade under five million each. Is Udonis Haslam coming back? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, please come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I love UD, but like it's it's time. It's time it's just time. to transition to the um, to the coaching. And you can actually pay him whatever you want to pay him via coaching. Guys, it's okay. We, we all know the rules. It's been happening for a while. We get it. You're trying to make up for past years when he took less. Just do it as a coach. I mean, he had the highest per 36 in the league this year for scoring. And fouls and ejections. He's averaging three ejections <laughs> per 36 minutes. So... Gosh. More, um. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think the biggest thing with this team is 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 what is Victor Oladipo's market? Because Victor Oladipo, I don't see getting a long term deal from the Miami Heat. But if he's getting a long term deal elsewhere, even if it's it's maybe smaller dollars than one might think from previous Oladipo seasons, um, he might be wise to lock up more monies as he has been. As soon as that that you know knee tendon or. Uh, I think as the patellar tendon went, he's been bad ever since. Like he hasn't ever come fully back. And if he's healthy, like I think he's the kind of guy that you want to, you want to, you want around. But he hasn't shown that yet. So I, you really can't speak to what his market's going to be until uh, maybe like even a guy like Kawhi is fully locked in back at the Clippers or locked in elsewhere. I I don't I don't um, view Oladipo getting like. Oh no! I, I I'm don't, thinking I don't he, see anybody even. Like, I don't even see mid level exception for him. We'll Honestly. see. That's that's where I'll disagree with you. I think if Montrezl Harrell finds his way out of L.A., he'll be that that that's one of those things that the Lakers will be will be grabbing. But like you, he, again, he had quad tendon, um, and uh, with, with the way that he went out and requiring that surgery, like I don't think he's ready at the beginning of the season next year. Like I think that it goes in, and who wants to spend that type of money? Like that seems like. I mean, that seems like I mean, a Rob again, Palenka you, you move. You mentioned, being honest, that seems like a Rob Palenka move. But even if it is, that's the mini mid level, because they're going to be into the tax. Uh, so like, or, or sorry, above above, yeah, they're, they're, they'll find themselves into the tax. So like, it's it's not a lot of money going Victor Oladipo's way, in my opinion. And if and if it is, man, that's a mistake. I think. Yeah, I'm. I have no real f- strong feelings about where Victor Oladipo should go, how he should go, and and where what kind of money he's going to get because of his injury history. Um, if I I think the team that would be the most willing to pay him the most for one season would be Miami. I do think that is true. I think they'd be like, hey, we'll we'll overpay you a little bit for a one season deal to try and get this thing uh, running correctly. But I think more importantly than any other player, the Heat sign is is Bam Adebayo turning on the aggressive, you know, sliders. Because if if Bam, if Bam plays passive, this team doesn't have doesn't have it. And Bam can do it all a little bit here and there. And until he decides he's gonna try to do it all, this team's a is gonna run into a little bit of mud. The name that's been out there that's been mentioned and I was mentioned at the deadline and, and so forth, Kyle Lowry. I think that that's that's the that's the if he wants to come in for that twenty million dollars, uh, because again you got to pay Duncan Robinson, so you're gonna pay Duncan Robinson the a lot of the sum, a lot of money that you know that he's gonna get paid, only five million dollar cap hold, so you can he get is that an RFA. 
So you yep. can wait for an offer to come in. Yep, and you can wait for an offer to come in, and you can you can wait for a while to like you, you can take care of that later. But if you bring in Kyle Lowry, like this twenty million dollar person, this is why I don't think it's Victor Oladipo because like this is your last opportunity to to bring in somebody before you are now an over the cap team going forward. And for me, I the the, the players that that fit the the bill are. Barring anyone, you know, anyone, who, you know, leaving like you mentioned a Kawhi Leonard or, or a Chris Paul or, or that type of players becoming, you know, unforeseeably available. Like, it's Kyle Lowry. And if Kyle Lowry wants to come, you know, to, to Miami and sign a, you know, I don't know how many years you do, but like you know, three-year deal because we're trying to maximize the Jimmy Butler window and we think Bam is going to take the leap like you're talking about. We got bringing Duncan Robinson again. We hope Tyler Hero, uh, with a full off season, is able to, uh, you know, make make a, another jump. You know, like that we did quite see this year. Um, like that that seems to be the move in 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 my eyes. Um, and then you bring back, you know, anyone you can at, at minimum deals or room exceptions, whatever, whatever. The one other person I've had on my list, and and I. He kind of. He, I'm just worried about his shooting being enough. But Spencer Dinwiddie has a player option this se- this coming season, and I know he's coming off an injury, but he's a little bit younger. But because of his injury, might be willing to take a little bit less. Or maybe you could still get like someone at like that five million dollars. It's a pretty good contributor. Um, if Spencer doesn't get to the full twenty, just because of the injuries. Um, I I like the idea of some Spencer Dinwiddie as a tall guard. You know, the Heat are a team that can play with some size, and I I like the idea of of that. But I think he will probably get a full the full twenty somewhere, um, even if it's not back with the Nets. But he's just he's just a person that I have my eye on, um, as I just worry about his shooting, because that's my problem with all the Heat. Same thing with DeRozan. If DeRozan wanted to theoretically come to Miami, he doesn't shoot either. <laughs> Everyone has shooting problems. And one thing that should be mentioned because you, you talk about okay you maybe spending like 15 million or something and having lost five minutes you get the room exception as well once you spend that 20 million dollars so you'll also like have an extra five million dollars to spend yeah. as why a, not as a have three team. players instead of two <laughs> perhaps perhaps in theory in yeah. theory i think the thing to learn about um free agent deals and basically ever since the cap spike is I know I'm personally still adjusting to how much people get paid ever since the you know the, that the cap spike with Evan Turner because Evan Turner was a 17 million dollar player for four seasons, and I'm not gonna lie that has thrown off my calculus for what people get paid in the NBA, even though that's gone now. Anyway, I'm done with the Heat more or less. Uh, they they really just need to work on Bam being willing to shoot. Because Bam can shoot, good free throw shooter this year. He needs to be willing to do it, and that's that's honestly, if he, if if Bam is willing to come into game saying I'm shooting because I'm good enough to do this, all of a sudden the Heat's spacing problem can go away because now Brooke Lopez or Miles Turner or any or Joel Embiid can't just sag off him and hang out in the lane. They have to stay up on him. That changes the entire game. Even if it's just like I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a three a game, maybe two threes a game. I'm gonna always take that mid range jumper if they lag off me. That's the key for Bam Adebayo because he's got everything else going for him really well. Yep. Um, the Wizards. Hmm. Well, this is tough. They got nothing they, going for them. They've got nothing going for them. They can only like they're not into the tax yet, but they are over the salary cap and they are close enough to the tax that they really can only sign 
minimum guys, you know, barring m more shuffling that, you know, somehow helps them out. But, like, they're in a, they're in a tough spot financially. Oh, and, yeah, I, I just don't see a way that it gets better. And Wizards people on Twitter, can you please stop trying to trade for Jeremy Grant? And There's Wizards people on Twitter? There are <laughs> Wizards people on Twitter who are who are just tweeting ridiculous stuff like oh we, we probably could get jeremy grant for you know denny avdia and and uh there you go D davis bertans a huge they contract up, and they given up three that, first was, round picks like if you threw yeah like if you threw out like your first round pick this year it, and denny and like another first, but the problem is matching salary, and you can't really get there unless Bertans in the deal, and then you don't want Bertans as long. It's Thomas like, Bryant, it, maybe. It's 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 a no. It's a no. Um, I mean, Thomas Bryant almost went to war with um, uh, against, I should say, Isaiah Stewart in the preseason. So I don't know how that how that would happen. How what would happen there? But in it's just tough. The Wizards do not have a way to get better, and. They laid their own bed. Other than Thomas Bryant being healthy, Thomas Bryant being healthy can can help a lot because he he is a very competent offensive center. So like, where sometimes with Russell Westbrook you have some some struggles here and there. Thomas Bryant's a guy who can stretch the floor a little bit. Obviously, a really good rim finisher. Like he's he's the kind of guy who can who can alleviate some of their problems. Where, but I mean, obviously, Robin Lopez might not have the most efficient post hook in the league next year. So if he comes back, I mean, it's if all, he's, if, yeah. But like at the same time, like it's. Their defense would be awful. Their defense would be just complete garbage. Yes. And where does that get you except for a first-round exit again? So. Bell for the Wizards. They like that. I suppose. Okay, anything on the Wizards? No, no, no. Let's keep, let's keep it moving to the current playoff round. So, we are in the semifinals. We have four matchups ready well one of the four matchups we're still waiting on but the first matchup we're going to talk about is philadelphia atlanta which is currently started already and we got a few things i mean our first thing we talked about is Embiid injury and b does have the meniscus injury they say day to day but he is playing and he did start so that's something that to watch out for unfortunately again we're recording at about 10 30 um, Pacific time, so about a, you know there are two minutes and forty seconds left in the first quarter, and right now the Hawks have a thirty-four twenty-two lead. Yep, and you know Embiid played played nine minutes, you know nine points, but right now they seem to be struggling, and one Trey Young happens to be going off at the moment. So uh, there you have it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is super small sample size and all that stuff. But, like, Embiid's injury changes kind of you know, changes does, this game a little bit. Yeah, I wish I, – I, obviously, we've been recording. I haven't been able to see. I do want to see his mobility and how he's been playing there. I do want to see how much that affects him. This is the same injury that Blake Griffin had when they said he couldn't make it worse. And I'm sure that there's some doctors say, "Oh, you, you can't make it work. You can't make this worse." And then Blake Griffin's done nothing until last night. <laughs> that would that would would suggest that he's that's you know, why, and even still, he's not back. But still, that's why for me, as if I was in Philly, I would say it's okay for us to shelf Joel and Bead. Let's even though they say it can't get worse, 
I'm just like, let's just let's just go with this team now, let Embiid rest, and then bring it back. But obviously, I know in the NBA, championship windows can close really quick. But I don't see right right now. Me personally, out of the East, I don't see the Sixers beating Milwaukee or the Nets. That that's where I'm at right now. Not without a healthy, not without Joel Embiid, yeah, being 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 himself, and that's what I'm saying. Like if he's not himself, I'm just like, this is gonna be like, and the Nets can even, and I bet you the Nets could even make things happen without Harden, but we'll get there eventually. But Hawks though, so obviously we're we're, we're all a part of the Hawks haters club or the Trey Young haters club over here with the Hawks. I had a chance to watch it. Trey Young does have some aspects of his game. I'm like, oh, it's not bad. I still hate the flopping a lot. I'll tell you this. Um, the team does defensively, though. They do make things happen. <sighs> Looking at it, I'm interested to see where a lot of the offense is going to come for Philadelphia if Joel Embiid cannot do what he needs to do. Because that was our worry in the previous round, and we overlooked it. <sighs> but I don't know. With this Hawks team, it's feisty. <sighs> this very small sample size has me saying, oh, the Hawks can win this series. But it's a very small, 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 small tw- sample size. So I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to let it get too, too much into my head. Well, if Trey Young's make it, makes shots like, you know, he's basically a, like a career 35% three point shooter at this point in time, shot 34 in the next series. Like he's, he's one of those guys who takes a lot of shots, doesn't make a whole lot of them technically speaking, but his facilitation and his willingness to shoot is always going to keep the floor open. Even when he is struggling a little bit with his shot. So like he's always going to be able to drive somewhat of an efficient offense, especially if you surround him with like play finishers like Clint Capello or corner shooters like DeAndre Hunter. Like all those kind of guys are very helpful in making the Hawks just be solid. And if they actually get John Collins involved, who knows where their offensive limitations could can, will cease. Um, my my problem my concern with the Sixers is that Ben Simmons is going to have to guard Trey a lot, and he is a little a little huge. And he is quick, but like Trey Young is a little bit quicker, as it happens when you're much smaller. And but if if I don't know what they're doing right now, but if, if Doc doesn't have Ben Simmons like r- really trying to hound Trey Young and honestly ball denial him as soon as like if he gets the ball up in the half court, you just Ben Simmons don't let him get the ball back. That's what that's honestly what they have to do because I think that is the key. I don't think that's something George Hill can do in this in this stage of his career. Uh, Seth Curry can try to do the ball denial thing, but once he's on him, he's going to get roasted. And then if we're talking about uh, Matisse Thibel, he's he's a good option, but there's a lot of offensive sacrifice there. And if Joel Embiid's off the court and he can't like lock in two points of possession on post-ups, well, the Thibel the Thibel uh, sacrifice on offense matters a little bit more. And so I, I look at this team. I, I don't think Philadelphia should have any problems with him. I think if Joel Embiid doesn't play and they commit to like a Ben Simmons like running a lot of stuff from the, cent- the center position, blah blah blah. Um, they can surround him with enough shooting. If he plays aggressive, they can handle it. But, you know, Ben Simmons runs in the same problem as Bam Adebayo does, except Ben's even less willing to shoot a mid-range jumper or less willing to, you know, like, involve his guy on in part of the defensive scheme. So, I'm still going to pick the Sixers. I think the Sixers actually match up well with the Bucks and the Nets if they uh, are healthy. Um, but Joel Embiid's got to be healthy. Because Joel Embiid could have been the MVP this year if he was healthy all season. And then he wasn't. And that's going to be, and that, unfortunately, that's going to be the story for him until we, hopefully, hopefully get to see it. And I think it's going to be the story. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be healthy. Uh, he's not going to be healthy just because, you know, it's the meniscus is not going to heal 
um, by the time the next series starts, even if they can pull out a win against Atlanta. And, you know, so that really kind of puts us into a bind here. Like, I, I picked Philly to, uh, to to beat the Knicks in, the, you know, in, in our predictions earlier. And, yeah, and you look and you say, like you're saying, like, if you go Ben Simmons to five and you can try with another shooting, like, it still should, in theory, work. Um, you know, but there, there's, there's probably some cause for some concern. Um, if, you know, Ben Simmons isn't as aggressive as he needs to be, uh, in, in any non-Joel Embiid time in this series. Uh, I'll still, I'll still pick the, 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 the Sixers as well, just because, you know, I, I ha- have a little bit of faith in, in the rest of their roster too. I like the rest of the roster, but I don't know. It's there. There's one human on the Hawks that can handle Ben Simmons physically if he plays the way he should, which is some bully ball action. That what Clay Capella? Yeah, he's the one guy who can body Ben Simmons. He's the one guy who's physically strong enough. DeAndre Hunter, Hunter probably could give him some problems in terms of being quick, but I think Hunter is going to be tasked with Tobias, Tobias Harris because yeah. he's gonna, he's a little bit more slithery, more slippery, going to be getting to some mid range shots. Like if, if Ben Simmons got had the attitude that I have with him on 2K, he would never have any problems because I just go in and dunk it every time. Just based off of a group chat uh, that I'm in, apparently um, Trey is making life difficult for Danny Green in the pick and roll. I know Danny Green did get the bulk of the minutes on 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 him in the regular season, but as well, they both got played... them weak hips. He can't move anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's still he's still good, and he should still be on the Lakers. Yes. But he got them yes. weak hips. There <laughs> but, but like there are there are different people for the task of. Of, of Trey Young, like go ahead and put him on Kevin Herter or who or whoever else or or Bogdan or um who, whoever else is out there. Um, I I would rather have someone else um on on Trey Young. But uh, but anyways, Elkin, are you, uh, are you gonna, are gonna venture away and, and pick Atlanta? I'm gonna do it. Hawks and seven. Right. I'm gonna do it. Okay. I'm gonna do there it. Go. Now let's go to Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Game one was last night. Got a chance to watch that game. I'm really sad about Harden. Obviously, would love to see Harden in that series. Harden was out with le- was like 11-17 left in the first quarter. And, and it was the same hamstring, I believe, that kept him out of a few other games. But watching that game, and I don't know, Richard told me he didn't watch it. Ethan, were you able to watch the game? Watch the second half. I was uh, hosting a party in the first. So I, I was able to watch most of the game. In the first, Milwaukee was just like, let's go ahead and expose the Giannis-Blake matchup. And Giannis was just like, I'm going to take it one-on-one, face up, drive in every time, and it worked. And then from there on, they just went away from it. I know I know, at halftime was like 61-63, followed by... Then in the second half, it just seemed like Blake Griffin decided to say, hey, Pistons fans, guess what? I'm still... I can still do something. Pistons fans don't care <laughs> about Blake Griffin playing well. They actually enjoy it happening. Yeah. Because guess what would happen? Guess what would have happened if Blake Griffin played well this year? The Pistons wouldn't have the second overall pick. That's what we care about. That's what we want. Blake gave us all he, he needed gave- to in, the, in that 2019 season. We were happy and grateful for it, and we wish him well. We wish Reggie Jackson well and Luke Kennard. We wish all those people well mm-hmm. on their other teams. But but but. Pistons fans, obviously, they'd rather have Cade Cunningham than yes. Blake Griffin. But looking at it, though, and this is how I felt strongly, Ethan, I feel like Milwaukee can definitely beat the Nets, but I feel like Coach Bud 
is going to be the downfall of Milwaukee. That's what that's what it comes down to for me. Like looking at the matchups, there was there was times where I'm just like, why aren't you running more plays for Drew Holiday to get in the post where he's been guarded by Kyrie sometimes or or Giannis or why do you just allow everybody to have that? And I think you guys talked about this. Sometimes he lets everyone get too much of the pie. He lets everyone get a piece of the pie where really she just let your three main players get the biggest pieces. But he's like, no, everyone just chuck them up if you got them. But then you're watching and you're like, no, Giannis, for me it was Giannis and, and Holiday should have been eating. But I feel like because everyone else was like, let's do our regular offense, that kind of took away from their advantages. See, I, I know Giannis had a good first half because I watched him play in the second half and he was struggling a lot. Blake was giving him a lot more space, but yeah. still kept catching him on his gathers and not letting him get all the way to the rim. As soon as he was ready to go gather and go, help was coming a lot of the times too. And Giannis is, is, is a good passer, but he's not a great passer, especially when um, double teams are coming. He's got those long arms and he'll try some passes he probably shouldn't try. But what, what I would like to see is if they're going to like slough off Giannis and give him all that space, he needs to do a little bit of what, like, what, what Bam does when they do that, and it's working well, is, is get Chris Milton to come and do some dribble handoff stuff. Chris Milton, walk into mid-rangers. That's going to be two points most of the time. Like There's a lot that they can do with Drew Holiday and with Chris Milton with Giannis as like you know high high dribble handoff stuff if if Giannis can't find his way into the paint, which if, if Blake Griffin's – timing game is correct he's giving him the space so he can get a little downhill but then catching him before he can gather and step through and around everything that that's a problem and it, it's something that um i think bam did really well. i think jay jay crowder did really well last year is he would slough off just enough and then eat that space up as soon as the ball was in the hands and he had to go somewhere or it's going to be a charge or if if there's nowhere to go you you miss the layups you miss the you know the floaters and if you keep Giannis in floater range i mean he's a good he's a really good player He's he's not a, a finesse player yet. He has he hasn't developed that part of his game in almost any facet, and so I, I I like what Blake Griffin was doing in the second half from what I saw and eating up that space as soon as Giannis was forced to make a decision. I think that can work, but again, if if he can put the brakes on and just hand it off to Chris Middleton into a walking mid ranger, I I also like that as well. I think the Bucks have the highest potential of almost any team, not named the three stars of the Nets. But the three stars in the Nets aren't playing right now, so the Bucks need to take advantage. Yeah, and I think Richard, you brought up a good point where if this series goes on longer, the absence of Harden, depending on how long he's out, that could have a big effect. I think you brought up, that was a very good point on your part, bringing that out because obviously we saw Kyrie and Durant they what they need to do game one, but as the series goes along, you hope Milwaukee makes the adjustments they need to, which then swings the series in favor of Milwaukee. This is where I'm at. Again, not having seen game one, wasn't able to watch it. I will. I don't think I will because I got graduation ceremonies to do and all, all that stuff. So I'll, I'll be watching it. I'll be watching game two when it happens. But uh, again, in theory, it should, you know, the, DiVincenzo was out. And when that happens, like, oh, that's tough because how are you going to match up with the big three? Well, now it's a big two. And I'm sorry, hamstring, Harden, I don't, like, I don't think he can come back. Like th- those just take time to heal, and I don't think you got enough time in this series. Um, you know, obviously, if Brooklyn can can get this victory, the next round, you know, if they're if it's an unhealthy Embiid or whether it's a Atlanta, like you can probably rest him enough that he can come back, maybe ready for the finals or something like that. But w- with without Divincenzo on one side and without Jeff Green and James Harden on the other side, you would like. If you're the Bucks, you know, you know, one wishes for injury, but like that's a trade you make 100% of the time. And in theory, going forward, 
now you don't have to think, well, well do I do I put Drew Holiday on uh, James Harden or Kyrie Irving? Where do I get the most? No, well, now guess what? You put him on Kyrie Irving. And uh, you're able to now be a little bit more flexible. You don't have to put Giannis on KD if you don't want him, if you want him being a help side defender. Like, you've there are those aspects to it. But again, like you mentioned, Bucks offense is a little bit too egalitarian. A little, little too everyone gets a little, um, you know, everyone gets to be a part of it. Jeff Teague gets to be a part of it for for I don't know why, and so uh, it's it's just I, I my concern and my concern at the beginning when I picked Bucks Lakers is I picked two coaches I don't trust and I don't totally trust Coach Bud. In theory, the adjust you know you should be able to like you said ha- utilize Giannis as a screener. And you should be able to walk into a whole lot of open shots. And the Bucks missed, a, you know, their shooting percentage was very poor. You would expect that to improve. And, and you wouldn't expect Blake Griffin to have a complete resurgence. Like, it's like there's a lot of, and you wouldn't expect Mike James to come in and and provide, like, so there's a lot of things where you're like, say, God, well, that seems a little bit unsustainable on Brooklyn's end. But at the same time, you're able to pull out a victory when James Harden goes out at the beginning of the game. Like that, that's also nice if you're Brooklyn. Like it's nice to be able to pull that one out. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I still am holding, you know, hoping that my Milwaukee pick can can make it happen. You know, can eventually come through. But Coach Bud, winning a game when one of your three stars gets hurt shows willingness to adjust. Maybe we should take notes, Bud. Yeah, and that's something. And by the way. The help side defense, you're right, Giannis needs to stay there. There were several times I saw this, Giannis had some really great help side defense on Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant would drive and Giannis knew exactly where to be at. He got a few blocks in. That's what I liked. So they got to keep that going. But I still have the Bucks winning this series. I'm going to say that. I still have the Bucks coming out of this series. And I think with the James Harden injury, I can see it happening. But adjustments, adjustments. And which coach can adjust better? And honestly, I know Steve Nash's first year, but I think Steve Nash has shown the ability to adjust really well on the fly. You got Mike Antonio, you got a lot of other, a lot of other experienced coaches on that on that coaching roster. Um, so I, I I think that they'll be fine as long as they can keep getting those contributors, and as long as their tough shot makers keep making tough shots. And I believe in Bruce Brown. You know, it's a good dose of Bruce Brown. Shout out. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, um, I think, who do both of you guys, I know Richard, you said Milwaukee. Uh, Ethan, who do you have in this series? I don't think I made a pick. Um, uh, I'm going to root for Milwaukee, so I'll, I'll go with Milwaukee in six. All right, all right, all right, all right. I like that. All right, now let's go out west to the the first series set in stone in west, Phoenix versus Denver. Now in this series, we know obviously Denver is without Jamal Murray, Will Barton. Dozier's also out. CP3 shoulder injury. I've been interested to see how that develops with this. But Phoenix coming in, I know they got all the confidence in the world right now after that Lakers series. Uh, Denver coming in, for me, just solidifies why Jokic is the MVP. Because seeing it, even without Jamal Murray, he kind of just pulled it in. That game six, you kind of you kind of knew Portland was going to come out and do their thing, try to get that momentum. And, and they were there doing what they need to do. They had the lead. But then, eventually, Jokic was just like, I'm going to get whatever I want. And that's what happened when Denver came back and then took the lead. Jokic was just like, all right, I'm taking over this game. And 
That's how I'm going to view that. So I'm interested to see how Phoenix handles Jokic. Is it going to be, hey, Aiden, do what you can against him. We want to stay at home on everyone else. Or is it going to be, let's double what we can. But as you guys have seen before, it doesn't take Jokic much to figure out what he needs to do to counteract what the other team is doing. But I do like the way Phoenix is playing. I want to say that. I do like the way they're playing. I think I think Phoenix just has the has has a good matchup for for Jokic. I think Aiton is going to get in foul trouble, and those are going to be games that Jokic really just dominates, and it's, it's going to be those are going to be tough games for the Suns to win. But in, in the same sense, I think Chris Paul, even with his shoulder injury, is going to be able to to facilitate quite quite well. I think Devin Booker. There's no one on the the Nuggets that I think is a particularly good matchup for, to like try to slow him down. Um, you know, for example, maybe you could throw Tory Craig at him, but he's now on the Suns, so like there's a problem there. Maybe Aaron Gordon I, throw a little Aaron. I, Gordon I there. think Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon's a little slow coming through screens for a, a guy of Devin Booker's quick trigger mentality. I think. I mean, again, I think Richard will do a good job guarding him, but at the end of the day, I I think it's I don't think it's a, a good enough matchup for me to like give a check in the positive side. I. Yeah, it, it really just comes down to who who on the Suns. Are they, they going to make their threes when they're wide open? Because they're going to have plenty. Um, and if they do, they'll, they'll win by a lot, I think. And if they don't, they'll they'll have to struggle and, and make sure they try to quell um, Jokic down the stretch. Because what I kept seeing in the Blazers series is that Jokic, because of how big he is, he can go get his own bucket. When you send all the help in the world, someone's open. When, when you're so small like Dame and they send all the help over there, it's still hard to make the pass when you're the smallest guy on the court, and that 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 turned into the problems. He'd make a good pass, but it still was like a little timing off, and the defense could recover because he had to you know get creative. Whereas Jokic just ah uh, there it is, throws it around. So Jokic down the end of games is one of the guys I really trust, and also he's he positionally is a pretty good defender. He's not really that great at the contest, but he's a good positional defender. So he'll he won't. He won't make the job easy for anyone. I do wonder if Campaign is going to have as good a series. I don't know what motivated him so strongly, but Campaign had a heck of a series against the Lakers. It's going to be, a, and so maybe if maybe if that falls off, maybe they'll maybe they'll be in trouble. It's going to be the Campaign know. Monte Morris show. That's what we're going to have in the when the subs hey, come in. I tell you what, I love Monte Morris. So I do really I. Do. I I think he's just a, a, a per, like if you got if you got a a guard who or a big guy who can really score and do a lot of other stuff, he's the kind of guy who's going to set other people up and also be able to make an open shot. Like Monte Morris, you know, led the NCAA in turn uh rate turnover assist to turnover ratio like his entire in, uh, college career. Like he's a guy I trust. He's a little bad defensively, but he's a guy I trust. Hey, in that game six against the Blazers too, you kind of saw Monte Morris when. Jokic was in. I think he was out. Monte Morris was just like, all right, I'm going to take over and get like oh, some we, well-needed we, buckets. We got these two small guards trying to guard yeah. me. I'm small guard. I can eat them. Yeah, and that's what he did. There you go. It works. He, he's, he's just so solid. You you mentioned this earlier, the eight and foul trouble against Jokic. Like, that's the only thing if I'm Phoenix that I'm concerned about. Um, we saw it with Nurkic. Happened yeah. to him. And, and they've got... Nope, they have nobody. Like Kaminsky, sorry, can't do it. Sarich, sorry, can't do it. And so that's the only. If Aiton can stay out of foul trouble, this series I think is over for Phoenix. Like Phoenix has it. Um, I, you've got the uh, long-armed defender for Michael Porter Jr. in um, Mikael Bridges. Uh, you know, you've you've got you've got the bodies. Um, I, I I I worry 
I just worry about Denver having the defenders against, you know, against them. The only thing I'm really looking forward to, though, is CP3 Compazzo beef, because that's going to happen, and it's going to be great. I, I actually, I'm glad you mentioned um, specifically Mikel Bridges for Michael Porter Jr. Because I was actually kind of thinking, I kind of like that Jay Crowder um, rough him up a little bit and having Mikel Bridges available for um, helps help defense uh, coming at at Nikola Jokic with those long arms. But you have options. Which it's true. You do have, is... and, Tor- and not to mention Torrey Craig. When you're, when you're talking about a team with, with Chris Paul and some like not great rim protection, Torrey Craig is much better as a, a as a cutter slasher than he is as a catch and a shoot threat. I think if you could involve him setting some screens, you know, I always wonder why people don't get bad, you know, even wing players, especially when you got like a guy like Aiton who can, you know, st- remove himself a little bit away from the dunker spot and still be effective. Why don't you use your other bad shooters as screeners? I don't, I never understand why that's not more common. But here's also the thing that that you know what you're saying. Okay, well you can use Crowder if you need to. Well then. If you if you then that leaves you with more flexibility to do like you said other stuff with someone like Mikhail Bridges like if you need to like Monty Morris got really hot like if you need to throw him at Monty Morris just to like just be long and, and make some like because Monty Morris was able to walk into whatever he wanted to in, in in that last series and so if you need to you know you have the flexibility to make adjustments and to do different things so Mikhail Bridges can quell whatever whatever uh, startup gets a little too big for their britches. If it's if it's Michael Porter Jr. hitting six threes in the first quarter, uh, okay, get, get him. <laughs> uh, I got Phoenix in this series. There's just uh, outside outside of Aiton, bad things happening to Aiton, foul trouble or injury. Like this is it's just I just don't think that there's enough. This is where you need the other injured pieces um, that just aren't coming back. I'm going Denver, Denver and seven. Sticking with there you it. There you go. There you go, Elgin. I'll take I'll take the Suns as well. I'll go Suns in five. I'll take the money line on that one. The Utah Jazz are facing somebody. Clips or Mavs. By the time you hear this, that game will probably be over. So we will probably hold off on talking about that. Uh, just you know, Utah is you know they're they're resting easy and uh, kind of just sn- sneaking behind the scenes. People are forgetting about them. And we'll have to see what that matchup uh, looks like. It'll be a very different series depending on on who wins this Clips Mavs um, uh, series. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah. If if Kawhi Leonard decides to play the way he did, could be interesting. He's tough. He's tough. He's tough. But I mean, they got the Defensive Player of the Year. The Jazz do. How could how could they lose in a series? <laughs> I guess we'll just have to see. I guess we'll just have to see.